This is a great intro. Like, how can you not, you know, be excited no matter which day of the week it is? I feel like going home and watching Iron Man. <laughs> Soccer Mom Sunday here with Jennifer Cease and J.B. Anderson with a little bit of a different vibe than we had in the last couple as far as music goes, for sure. Yeah, we uh, ditched a little of the Gen X, went a little bit further back. Uh, yeah, and it has some significance for our next guest, which we'll bring on in a little bit. So very cool. Every we- everybody, every team had like their songs right to play. Um, <laughs> at Lindenwood, we would play if we won. Or I don't, I didn't come up with the idea, but we would play um, Queen. Um, Another one bites the dust. Like, bye, team who traveled to play with us. Like, how rude is that? <laughs> you well, lost. I mean, it's uh, there are worse things you could do, and thank God there wasn't social media because it would have been. Yeah, I can't prove it. My word against worse. yours. <laughs> My memory against your memory. Right, right. <laughs> Which is questionable at times. What was your walk-up song as a player? Uh, no, there were not. That did not exist. Uh, I mean, in your mind. I mean, you, oh. like when you were at home, putting your shoes on and put them in the bag. Oh, so I was a cerebral player. So my mine was more, probably like "Don't Screw Up" song. Whatever song's about don't screw were you up. Like playing like <laughs> Mongolian bowls or something, no. just to zen out before a game. No, I. So it was funny. There were when my senior year, there were three of us were captains, and um, Dina would her her thing was she just wanted something from the vending machine. Got Dina going. She was our stopper, old old time stopper. Hurt you right. Karen would listen to uh, Take On Me uh, on like on her Walkman over and over. Walkman. I said Walkman. So any young buddy people are not going to know what that is. And then for me, apparently I was so cerebral, like the assistant coach would like write me a pump me up note. So that it's like, you can do <laughs> you can it. You can do this. Do the, or like, the, the head coach, Tim Champion would be like, do the damn 1v1. Because I didn't like to do them. I just want to push the ball and go. I was fast. So just go. And he's like, do the 1v1. For yeah. the love of God, please. For the love of God, <laughs> keep the ball. So how's it been going? How's it on the doctor soccer doctor soccer dad pod side? You stirring um, some? You stirring some stuff? That's what we do. Okay. That is our calling card. Um, <clears throat> you know, we've had to eat a little bit of crow lately with the city Kansas City game the other night, um, but. <clears throat> Excuse me, uh, Mr. Greg Berhalter came to our uh, savior survive. Mr. Greg Berhalter stirred the pot himself, all by himself. No, no, no. He was just honest. He was being <laughs> honest. He was being forthright in his opinion of uh, soccer relevance in the United States and what cities and it matter. Was not media prompted. <clears throat> like nobody asked, "Who's the soccer capital?" That was completely his own his own thoughts. Yeah. Yeah, so I took I took it on the chin for about 48 hours of these suburban Kansas City nerds telling me, you know, hey, um, <laughs> you guys lost to 11th place team, ha, ha, ha. I'm like, well, we're still in the playoffs. Hey. You know, and then... Maybe see you there? Two days, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good luck. Love to see you. Um, and then Burhalter the other day, unprompted, as you stated. Unprompted. Flat out said, uh, you know, we love coming here to St. Louis because this is... Historically, this is the soccer capital of America. It always has been. Blah 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 blah. So, and needless then Twitter say, Twitterverse exploded. <clears throat> yeah, Soccer Dad Pod does not have more fans in Kansas City at this point. I can tell you that. <laughs> and, so. and you know, St. Louis fans weren't. You know, we didn't like be like, oh, we weren't humble about it. We but we posted that shit is what we did. <laughs> oh yeah, no, for sure. It was like finding a way to get it to Hubble. You know, we're gonna make this thing big. <laughs> Put it on the satellites. <laughs> yeah. So no, I, you know it's good. We've uh, we've got a lot of great guests coming up, and um, the fall is going to be busy, kind of getting in a groove. You know, our kids are 
they had their first game last weekend. We were up in yeah. Detroit, and um, you know, you, you know the deal. It's time to get on the plane, get on the bus, mm-hmm. find time for school. Go down to Texas, where it's you know feels like it's 150 degrees. My yeah, daughter you is guys still went down there. Yeah, yeah uh, my husband and my daughter, who's on the 2008 uh, Luke Hughes Academy team, went down, and um, you know the results were good. She just. She came back tanked. And it wasn't because the flight came in at 1 a.m. I lit- I think it was from heat. I, oh, she's yeah. just done. She's just, she still she came home from school, slept. She's, you know, going to come home from school in about an hour from now, probably sleep before practice. She's just exhausted. <laughs> yeah, I think it's like, it's a form of child abuse to have any athletic event outside in Texas between February and November. Yeah, like, you know, we should all agree on a, a nice place to go and play. If we're, we could all go to there. I like the Carolinas. I, li- I, I like the Northwest, too. A little bit of yeah. rain. You know, that's yeah. fine. I'm, I'm down with that. Yeah, and like yesterday at City, so this will be a little dated when this comes out, but um, on, what day of the week is this now? Oh, my God. We're Wednesday. Tuesday, the 5th, uh, at St. Louis City, the U.S. men, they were off. They did not practice uh, yesterday, but um, the, the U.S. men's national team were there, and it was it was chilly. It was like a weird, like, welcome, Loved like, it. false fall, but it's false. It's false because it's back to hot. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. Goldfish are cooking today. <laughs> you know, it's, it's back to normal. Yeah. But it was really cool to be there and seeing the alumni, uh, the men's alumni there that, you know, the, the youngest one was Brad Davis there. And then, you know, right. I don't remember who the, the oldest ones, but they were not only, it was so cool to see, and I'm not sure it hit with every one of them, but it, Tim, Tim Raymond did, who kind of led a speech about what the alumni meant to them and that, you know, yeah. he knows one day he's going to be an alumni and all these young men will be. And I, they were touched. I, I think they knew that they would be watching. I don't, they, they did not know that there was going to be like a ceremonial coin and then their, their specific number. Like if you were the 466th player, like right. you, that is your number. And it was like, I think engraved on a case or something. Like there were, there were a few tears shed. It was well, awesome. The thing that amazed me was the statistics because Dave Lang was part of the whole yeah. event. And obviously Mr. Leaker was there with his blazer. Yeah. And he was green awesome. I'm like asking him if he's going to Augusta, like he's won the masters or something, walking around in that green blazer all the time. But you always know where he is. You find him. It's like, oh, oh I, I need an interview. There's Jim. <laughs> Did you see that he wore that thing on uh, the city home game a couple weeks ago when it was like. Uh, 147 degrees? No, I did not. He, I was like, how are you? Like, oh, no. Gosh, I, I want you to be okay. Toss a bucket of water on him. Like, <laughs> come on, dude. Uh, but, That's but, dedication is what that is. I, it is. And going back to the event, uh, real quickly, the uh, 76 players, 76 players from St. Louis have capped. And to, based on all research, that's either 1 or 1B uh, behind theoretically New York, but they, you know, there's no way to prove how many players out of New York yeah. yet. Of like um, 852 <clears throat> total, I think, because it was sitting there on a piece of paper in front of me. I think that was the number total. Yeah. So roughly 10%. Yeah. <clears throat> of all time, all U.S. men's national team players, 10% of them have come from St. Louis. So f- find third place. Yeah. You know, how far behind is third place? Yeah, for sure. Um, and I can tell you who's not even in the top 20. <laughs> So uh, and their barbecue sucks. So <laughs> anyway, that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> so yeah, so that was cool yesterday uh, for sure, and then today just had a, had a regular practice. But <clears throat> today you got the the uh, city team practicing on one side, and then on the other practice field, the U.S. men's national team was rolling out, and it was so cool. Like they're kind of they're coming over, warming up, and they're waving at city players that they know, and then 
City players, and um, the interview that I'll have for the next game will be Anthony Markanich, Markanich, uh, and uh, he. I asked him. I said, "So, hey, the U.S. men's t- team. Have you met him?" He just got really sheepish. He's like, "Not yet." I'm like, "Hey, they're they're using your balls. You you, you just should take, go take, take a it. bottle of water." <laughs> hey, hey, Christian, you need you, you look thirsty. You want, you want some water? I got water. And he got. It is so weird to see this this this. He's 23. He's not a kid, but yeah. this young man who is still, you know, finding himself and he's still, you know, he's around Leuven, he's around Berkey and, and these are big, but then he's looking over there at, kid, at, at, not kids, young men who are closer to his age and he's kind of geeking out. It's like the coolest thing <clears throat> to watch. Well, you know, for the, for the kids, for the players, for our city two, city players, city two players, et cetera, and even the academy kids, because, you know, I was talking to Beckett about it the other day. Beckett obviously is on the U16s here. I think I feel like some of the city academies were, like, wandering over, like, oh, I, I, I got to go check. Where's my water bottle? Well, I think, <laughs> it, and their brains are working a lot faster than even our, repre- mm-hmm. our, our, our interpretation of the situation. You know, Beckett is immediately talking about some of the players. He's like, yeah, you know, four days ago. He was in the San Siro playing Ju- Juventus, and he was in, you know, Old Trafford playing blah, blah, blah. Yep. You know, talking about that transition and where these guys are at in their careers and what they do. Mm-hmm. And now they're in their backyard. They're using their lockers. Yeah. They're drinking their water. Right. You know, oh, my God, they, they use this here. ball. They walked yeah. here. <clears throat> it's walk. great. Yeah, it's awesome. And, and I think it's one of those things that we've talked about the Taylor family. We've talked about, you know, kind of the what they've done in this whole organization and those types of days are just kind of like they're exclamation points on a much larger story of we told you we were going to get this right and you know and that's mm-hmm. the picture of those two teams today training side by side it's like you know we weren't joking around this is legit and it's going to keep going that way isn't it going to be more awesome when we get an NWSL team just well, to throw that out there y- yeah no I, you know what that's a perfect segue uh-huh, I, I think it's that time like our guest is nodding her head you know, you know vigorously <laughs> she raised her hand real quick yes yes so yeah I'd like to welcome in Jackie Billet so that's only actually what I should say like if you're in St. Louis and you're of our age ilk, you know this name because, so, hi Jackie. Hi, how so, are you? You're good. So I to lead the story first of telling you, so you don't know this because I never told you, but I hated you. Oh great, thanks. <laughs> I'm, I'm so honored to be here. I'm on full levels. We're friends now, we're friends now. <laughs> but you know, it's like, I didn't know you, right? And so there's a lot of times you, the first time you know a person is maybe as an opponent and you only dislike the people who are really good, right? And so Jackie's, you know, dribbling around us and like, throwing me around and like I'm she I was fast so I could get away with that but then she's fast too I'm like dang it and she's just this great player and I'm pretty sure I'm a year older I'm 73 yeah I'm 72 oh you're 72 so I mean okay oh, so cool okay pop. okay close I'm 74 no, you're 74 you, I knew it I knew you were 74 I knew that I'm sorry I'm 75 <laughs> what you yes. baby I know he has to do what you Is say the now. gray hair give it away <laughs> so here's this you know this soccer player and I had already played up and then she's also also playing up up and then I think you were first with White Star that I remember it was my first club team okay it was and you know if you're White Star you know the Kittners and they always were good and it was this player that you know I didn't know, but everybody knew, and I always hear, like, she's the nicest person. Like, she can't be. She can't be possibly nice when you play like that. And, and I mean, because she's good. And then, you know, later in life, you know, got to get to know you as over you 30. Know, oh, hey, we're over 30. We played together. And I'm like, I love her. <laughs> 
she's the best. It's full circle. And it's like everybody, and everybody's like, we told you. I'm like, I know she's such a great person. I love her to pieces. <laughs> so, so do you feel the same about the uh, host here? Oh my God, I loved it. I hated that she was so fast though, because uh, she could track me down so, fast, so often. <laughs> that was about all I could do though. And then it was one-on-one. I'm like, oh, here, just take it, Jackie. <laughs> you know, White Star, I was actually, that was my first club team, but I was 12 years old. I know, you were young. So I didn't even know that club soccer even existed until like we played, I don't even know what it was, CYC Districts at the time yeah. at St. Francis. And Tisa was like, hey, do you ever, we only club soccer? Like, I have this team. I'd love for you to come out. And I was like, oh, my God, I don't know. We don't have the money. I don't know anything about that. And she was like, well, let's just come out. And so yeah. I didn't know what I was getting myself into. And so I went on, a, like, a big bike ride with my neighbor the night, you know, the, that morning. And then I put my finest clothes on. I had a purple IZAD and purple shorts yeah. and purple socks. <laughs> so I matched. In 80s, by the way. Totally mm-hmm. 80s. And I loved it. And it was, like, instantly I had, like, so many great friends. So yeah. what, what neighborhood did you grow up in? Well, that's kind of a loaded question. <laughs> I lived everywhere, but ultimately Oakville. Oh, so you're a South County or two? Yeah, she played for Oakville High School, too, and that was also annoying there, oh, yeah. too. Yeah, because her Oakville team. So I, I was Fenton to go to Eureka. We, we had a decent team. We did, we did fine. But at the time, at least for public schools, Oakville's who were like, oh, we got to And we didn't get past Oakville ever. We had like one you, game where I felt you, like we were you, close, but concur? that was it. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah for we us didn't. too, it was a big deal because <laughs> it was more like private versus public. Well, yeah. yeah, you had, I, we didn't play quite as many private, I think that you guys did. So you went with Coriezu, Ursuline was it? Mainly it? like St. Joe and Carnot Word. Oh, okay. So those were the ones that, yeah. So once they, who, once who they did, stomped all over us, yeah, they went on. Yeah, who did on. you hate more? St. <laughs> Joe or Carnot? Probably St. Joe, just Statue because I had some limitations is up, yeah. <laughs> I had some teammates on St. Joe, so it was always a you yeah. know internal rivalry. Yeah, for sure, because you know in one in one aspect you're going to your club, then you're playing in high school, um, and just like you though too, kind of late. What felt like what we didn't know was late to the game. I was like in fourth grade when I started playing select, and I didn't even understand what it was. My dad was just like, we're just going to go to this practice. It was a Mastercraft team. Uh, orange and red, not not good colors together. It was very Ronald McDonald. Um, but it was interesting because I, I had my brain did not know it, what was different other than these were all good players. That's about all I knew of the experience with select. Well, there weren't as many players playing at the time like there oh. are now. I mean, I think in Slice others, I think I counted last year, like 82 Clubs yeah, that are playing. Sorry. I think Sarah Gunther talked about. It. So it's funny, full circle. You played for Oakville High School. Sarah Gunther, who was in our second episode, coaches now at Oakville High School, and she made, kind of made the same thing. She's like, there was one team, like for the age group, one team in the club for the age group, not mm-hmm. 20 teams in the same age group. Or I'm exaggerating, but you know, a lot of teams no, sure. where you could be, you know, it's, you can see it on even just slice of rosters for the season or slice a season list you know where in one division's like oh there's three Lufus teams there's three Gallagher teams and who else <laughs> you know but there's a lot of that in in the bigger clubs for sure well at the end of the day it's opportunity right we're providing opportunity for more people to play before you had to have a certain amount of money or you had to have transportation or you you couldn't play mm-hmm. right you had to know somebody to play and now everybody can play at any level you know, what's interesting is that it brings up an argument that you will hear. So it was, it it was black, more black and white back then. You either, you either, maybe you did both. But my dad was like, 
we're going to play select now. You're going to have two practices a week. Oh, my gosh. Uh, you're going to play select. You do select. You're not going to play CYC. I think he relented my eighth grade year because I found myself in the yearbook with the team. So he must have relented for some apparent run we wanted for city county. But, like, that was a big deal. Like, you either you did one or you did the other. And I feel like sometimes there are people that maybe still look for that, like, meaning, like, not everybody should be select. And I don't know that that's true uh, because you don't – you can get good training. You may not be the top team, but you can still get access to the same training and you can still play good soccer, and who knows what you'll be. So there's opportunity there, but it does dilute it a little bit. Like, which team are you at that club? Yeah, but you can be who you want to be, and, you know, you're shaped by the environment that you're in. Mm -hmm. So whether you're playing CYC and you love playing soccer or you're – playing on the national team or the GA, GA or the ECNL or a league or, you know, wherever. Yeah. It's, it's the environment that you're, that creates who you are. Yeah. Who were who, who some of the early coaches um, for your club that <clears throat> kind of stand out, you know, and, and what, what made them stand out in hindsight uh, for those kind of formative years? You know, you, clearly you were playing up. You guys are very competitive. Um, who was who steering the ship for you in the development years? Well, John Kittner was my first coach at White Star, and him and his wife, um, Ursula Kittner, mm -hmm. she was our manager at the time. And they were. But she coached too. And she was, which, which I thought, for me as an opponent, I hadn't been coached by a female, and I was just like, wow. Yeah. I, I didn't know that that was a thing. They were the most instrumental. And looking back now, I was talking to some of my teammates about this experience, and when they felt like they were kind of at a stopping point, like they couldn't get us to the next level, they always brought in other coaches, whether it was like for a month, it was a few training sessions. And then eventually they felt like, you know what, we needed someone else to take over. And so then Mike Gavain, Vader, took over. And so um, so everyone knows Mike Gavain, yeah, right? right? So anyway, so he took us to the next level and we, we were able to win nationals. So we won nationals under 19 and we were pretty much 16 years old. So, wow. and that was, you know, that's what everybody played for at the time. Now there's so many different nationals that you can play for. So right. they were the most in, influential. Dave Robin, obviously, is my high school coach, is Hall of Famer, St. Louis Hall of Famer. Um, he made, he was the first person that told me my position was a 10. And I was like, what is a 10? I mean, I think, I, I mean, I'm well, not I know a 10. I'm a 10. <laughs> my boyfriend thinks I'm a 9. <laughs> But like, that's the thing. I was like, when when Marin came, my my fifth, now fifteen year old, I think she was twelve, and she's like, I'm either gonna be the sixth. I'm like, excuse me, are you outside? Or are you are you left? Or are you right? She's like, Mom. I'm like, I didn't grow up with those numbers. You I know? know. So I think I think those coaches were the most influential. Um, but it was the parents. Again, it's the environment. It's the parents, the players that I play with. I was fortunate to play with the most elite of the elite in St. Louis. And it was so fun to play with like players, like-minded players, you know, and it was just an incredible experience. And, you know, that took me to loving the game so much more. I mean, my brother was also a really big influence. He's the one, like, I'm a big proponent of unstructured play. Like, I think you moving forward, like kids should be more unstructured. Like we do so much structured and it's so like, you have to go here and we have to go here and we have to go here and we have to take the boxes. And, but I was even laughing, like, driving here today, like, even the parks, like, they don't even have kickboards anymore. Yeah. Like, everybody used oh, to just go by seven, ball. Yeah, you got 7,000 pickleball courts, but you don't have one futsal court. Right. You know, in Webster. Kickboards were the best. Those were so <clears throat> fun. They were so fun. So my brother and I used to play everyday 1v1. 
So every day we would just go play one v one. We didn't even think about it. We just we just played, and um, he ended up playing Division One soccer at Bradley University, and so he's my twin brother. And so it was great to see two kids out of the same family going to play Division One. And even before that, the other people were influencing just the neighbors, you know, in the community. Like we played a game called Sore Soccer. So like literally on our street, there was like a sore a street sort on one side and a street sort across the street. And those were our goals because we didn't have money for goals. And so like, I feel like you've kind of like gone back to simpler times. But oh, yeah. even when I'm talking to my daughter, I mean, she's only 10, but like, I feel like the game hasn't really changed that much, right? If you look at like the 1950 World Cup team and we're fortunate to have like, to be exposed to some Hall of Famers, like um, Bob Matson is, you know, his daughter is in our club too, and Luke Hughes, yeah. and so we get to see him. And so the game hasn't really changed that much, but the experiences are changing. We're instead of a local league and a community, like back in the day, they were just played CYC and you lived on these certain streets and you played in, you know, and then, then you went to just playing in Slisa mm -hmm. and now we're, we're flying everywhere, mm. so. It's a little different. Well, yeah. especially from St. Louis. We were talking about a pre-show here. Um, <clears throat> your daughter's trip down to Texas. You know, so often St. Louis teams, especially at the more developed clubs, you even if it's only a four-hour ride to, you know, Memphis or Kansas City or whatever, nine times out of well, maybe not nine times out of ten, 70% of the time, you're playing teams that you're not elevating your competition. Exactly. We had that same experience this weekend in same Iowa. Same for us. It was fun. It was more about the experience. And the kids were like, I think like 10 years from now, you'll, mm -hmm. if you ask my daughter what was her most favorite experience in Iowa, it's the laser tag, it's the bowling. <laughs> sure. It's maybe the penalty kick that she scored. But sure. at some point, it just becomes game after game after game after game instead of experience and fun and yeah. knowing how the ball is going to go off your foot at a certain place and how to handle uh, fast pace ball, slow pace ball, long ball, short ball. Yeah, yeah, and and again, the, there's uh, the things that you remember. You might she'll maybe remember that penalty kick, but the rest of the time in the games, unless there's like pivotal moments, you won't. But you will remember at the hotel or that time at at a Panera. My kid, my kids always the my daughter's team only goes to Paneras because they're all very picky. So it's like the parents give up yeah. and just say go there and find something. For yeah, they they don't do the old school Shoney's or Ponderosa oh. like oh my God. to no, feed no, us back in the, Yeah, exactly. Anything that was a five dollar buffet, that's where our teams went. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty that was the budget at the time. But yeah, it's those experiences and of course you want good play for my daughter's team. You know they they trounce teams, so the competition level wasn't very good. And I know that Sky Eddie with us JB talked a little bit about you know the desire for her to want to make sure that there is soccer that can be not that you can't travel a little bit but local enough where you can she believes that you can find competition and we can develop competition that is closer so we're not getting on planes all the time except for maybe those pivotal moments uh to get competition and you know here we go and she goes down to texas and you know whatever and they're ga and just whatever is there at this time or whoever she faced i don't even remember the names of the teams we're, we're not they were trouncing team seven eight to nothing it's and they're just, you know, like playing you around with the You just have to figure out, like, what does your child want? Like, yeah. do they want to play in the national team? Do they want to play in college? I mean, it's difficult to have a conversation with a 7, 8, 9, 10-year-old yeah. about that. But really, realistically, can you judge your own the talent ability? I mean, look, I mean, I went to school with Steve Ralston, another St. Louis Hall of Famer. Why? You know, he played JV soccer with my brother at Oakville High School. You know, no one would have thought that Steve would have been anything. And then all of a sudden, boom, he's 
you know, playing Major League Soccer, he's playing on the national team, and he's a St. Louis Hall of Famer. So, so you so, just never know when that opportunity is going to take off your team. So I have a really f <clears throat> funny story for you about Steve. It's totally relevant to this, uh, which, by the way, we're actually, he's coming on our show next week. So it's funny that you mention him because... Very cool. Uh, you know Damon Rensing? You know, he was South City guy, yes. right? Yes. Um, so on his episode, Jared, my illustrious co-host, brings up uh, you South County Hoosiers. It makes a comment like that, and out of the blue, I get a text from an unknown number. Uh, I think I want to come on your show because I need to address these South County Hoosier statements. Oh, my God, that's so funny. And it was Steve. That's awesome. <laughs> that's awesome. So it's funny because it's like I, kind of compartmentalizing this conversation that we're having and you know the difference in the in generationally the 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 culture the community you know where we trained you know I, I was much like you I had a lot of siblings and on our block there were 12 kids 11 were boys we were all within four years of one another so our backyard was all cyclone fences and those were the goals you know and you played and you just learned to compete and fight and then you look at our kids now and the, the, the facilities, the training, the experience. They're amazing. I told my daughter yesterday when we were going to get pictures at Lou Fuse. Right. I said, if you decide to play oh, yeah, college. It's picture week. I'm glad you said that. Damn, I almost forgot. <laughs> if you decide to play college soccer, your facilities are not going to be as good as these <clears throat> facilities. No. And Quite remember likely, back in the day yeah. when we, like, playing on field one at soccer park, like, nobody played on field one no, at soccer park. I know. No. And, like, now everybody has turf, every, so nobody has to take that Every snot kid in St. Louis gets field one yeah. on Friday nights. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> my, when my daughter was five, we did a kick around. We did, like, a little, you know, kick and train kind of thing with the juniors program. And she was on field, I mean, one. And I'm like, what are you doing on field one? That's yeah, amazing. That's, you can't. that's a typo. Pitcher, 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 pitcher. Do they have 11 you, fields You'd either now? be on that old, old turf that would, you know, rip your legs off, two oh and three. God, yeah. Or, if you were really unimportant, you'd be behind the bleachers in field one. Remember that? The, the, the quote, field back there? So, yeah. So, yeah, you know, it's changed. <laughs> so, so do you do you coach um, your own? Uh, so currently I'm not coaching because I have a job and it seems like a lot of coaching positions, especially like Lufus or Gallagher, the most of them are full-time positions. And right. so I'm not doing that. Um, but I have coached her and I do have a lot of coaching experience. It's so funny because so many people don't really know like what I've done in my coaching life or playing life because it's been yeah. like so different, so many different places and I don't really talk about it. Right. I mean, yeah. you just so do, wait, you just enjoy it, up, it. Just so the listeners know, uh, because I, for me, I'm like Jackie Billet and we should, we should know everything. <clears throat> so not only a high level club player, high level high school player, cause Oakville was the team to beat at the time for, for me anyway. And we're about the same age. Go on for college. Can you help bring us to speed with the college and then the youth that the, are the national team, a cap, and, and you have that kind of experience. Right. So I've coached CYC, um, club soccer in college. I coach boys soccer, heaven forbid, and, you know, in club soccer. And then I coached um, college soccer. I was a volunteer division three. I was a head coach at a high school in Wisconsin. I was a division one assistant coach. Um, so I feel like I have my B coaching license. Like, I feel like I've coached a lot. Mm -hmm. I was a referee, even though Terry Valley would say I was, <laughs> he, well, we laugh about it. I say I was like the worst referee ever, but I do feel like really, like really, um, I feel like it's really important for people to Agreed. take their certification to become a referee, whether you are one or you're not, because the rules are changing. Yeah. You know, I mean, not that significantly, but everyone should know the rules. 
So well, and then playing wise, yes, <laughs> I played at every single level, like CYC high school, Olympic festival, college, national team, youth national team, national team. So I over over yeah. thirty. I, yeah, yeah. We hey, we we, so we played still a little friends. bit more. We played a little bit more. We made it to second. I, oh, I and the over thirty women's cup or the the over thirty so open cup, but the over thirty you know the we're not going to play twenty you know eighteen and twenty year olds, but we made it to second. Yeah, so I I mean I feel like I've kind of gone full circle from like playing, loving it, having a strong passion to also giving back because you know we didn't have a lot of money growing up, and so like people gave us scholarships or you know when I traveled to Europe with a regional team. We didn't have the money, yep. and so people sponsored me to go, and I didn't appreciate it as much as the time because my dad, you know, helped negotiate all that. And gosh, I'm like, gosh, now, like, so anytime anybody asks for about soccer, yes, I'll contribute. Yes, I'll contribute because it is so expensive. Yeah. And even if you like are a great soccer player, your family may not be able to afford GA. You know, I'm a single mom, so like I can't always get off work to fly across the country to go watch her play. And, and we're not going in like the uh, clubhouse for coping and making pizzas anymore as a team. I, I don't know why people let us do that. And, and it doesn't seem them. like people even <laughs> let their other kids travel with other families. Like everyone's like, no, I'm, Thank no, you. we just, we, we never take... went on a trip if you weren't partnered up with, so my mom or, or dad would be with yeah. another mom or dad, and then you would be hopefully with the teammate that you liked and liked you you never not shared a room because nobody could afford it and we had the 15 passenger vans remember you <laughs> put like the shoe polish all over it and <laughs> saying we are the champions and rock the 15 passenger van back and forth i mean those are the fun times so i hope that you know ultimately that my daughter has the same experience and that she creates the best memories and fun and of course, everyone wants to be, well, most people would say that they want to be on the national team or they want to play college soccer, sure. but the percentage is so low. Right. So I'm hoping that, you know, in the future here that we can, we have such, um, I wouldn't say grassroots effort, but we have the ability to touch so many more people outside of soccer. And it's the little things that are really important to me that I try to help with my daughter on the way to games. Like, if you want to be a captain, like these are the characteristics of what a captain is, and this is the, what you, how you demonstrate it. If you want more playing time, like these coaches are really adamant about not having the parents get involved. Absolutely. The players ask the coach about, but you're asking young kids that they don't even know. Yeah. I mean, I'm in sales and I'm still reworking all my questions on what do I ask right. and how do I ask it? And, you know, we want to eventually, how come I'm not playing versus like, yeah. What do I need to do to improve my game so that I can get more experience? So I feel like um, there's a way, there's a huge opportunity for us to take off from the mental aspect, which what you're doing with Minded Fine at Lufuse. And I think that's awesome. And I know Scott Gallagher has the same thing, that they're doing something very similar. And I think that there's such an opportunity to help the mass group of people yeah. that are involved in the game from a leadership from like think about all these transferable skills that go into a business world you're a captain you're a leader mm -hmm. nutrition nutrition is important i'm a registered dietitian like how are these kids eating what do they have access to not everyone has access to organic food like what do you have um from the mental aspect the sports training aspect i just think yeah. that I don't know. That's one thing that I think, you know, there's an opportunity to grow because not everybody is going to be on the national team. So yeah. we need to develop good human beings. Well, I think, I think um, you know, when it comes to how these clubs are addressing 
and encouraging the kids to be the point of contact at younger and younger ages. I, I, I totally see both sides of it because it's like, look, you still you still have a young kid, a, a prepubescent or a pubescent teen who's got a lot of shit going on who's in their head. Who's talking to somebody in authority, an adult. That's scary. And that's scary. Yeah, and, and so if, if I'm playing Switzerland on this thing, you know, the upside is... You know, you're talking about these life lessons, advocacy, you know, teaching kids at an earlier exactly. age to be able to advocate for yourself. That's going to carry forward into your friendships, your your relationships, your professional career, et cetera. That is not a soccer trait. Right. That's right. a life trait. But and then on the, on the soccer side of things, think about it from the standpoint of these clubs that are now if you, take the MLS clubs and the GAs in particular in which it is free. I mean, that that's just the math. Um, they're, they're testing. They're testing their investment. Which of these players that we are going to invest all this money in, who's the leader? Who's going to solve problems? Who's going to communicate? Mm-hmm. You know, so I can see it both ways, but the vast majority of the kids, the other 99%, you know, it, they're trying to figure that out too. So they're applying, the clubs are applying this, well, we need to find the leaders organically. Um, it's a fine dance. How would, how do you, or where do you see clubs today? Do you think that they are doing enough, too much, just right, as far as slowly trying to pull parents out of that player-coach relationship? I mean, again, I think it's a loaded question. I think we are blessed in St. Louis to have unbelievable clubs that have great mm-hmm. pathways for our children. You know, not other, not any, every club in the United States, they're still playing kick and run or, you know, their style of play is so different and not conducive to necessarily the national team level. <clears throat> so we're very blessed. And I feel like we are doing an unbelievable job. And just how you mentioned at the beginning, we have so many St. Louis Hall of Famers and we have so many players that we can tap into their knowledge. It's a small network. It's a small community. Right. And showing these kids what good looks like, we have that ability. You know, we have, you know, Jenna and I, we've talked before, is like, there's so many women now that have experience in playing, like... Yeah, they're Why likely are, on your sideline and are you we, just don't know Yeah, it. like, are we really tapping into the resources at any of these clubs and do we know what people have like what experience that like people probably have no idea how much coaching like there's really other than having an a coaching license there's yeah. really not much more that i could have done you know playing wise there's not really many more teams that i could have but people have no idea about that so but does the club need you know like resources like that i think will take us to the next level what's going to make one club different from the other club I think standardization of like licenses is a big deal if we're going to ask people to fly all over the country and spend all this money at the GA ECNL level, I think there should be a standardization of, of licensing. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, sure, everybody can do it, but I do think that there needs to be some standardization of licensing. But I do think there's a lot of opportunity that I think the focus is always on just the 4% or the 5% or the 6%, whatever, that are getting to the national mm-hmm. team. And, of course, we're excited. We had the U.S. women's national team, and we have players representing from the U.S. national team just out of St. Louis. But yeah. You know, we we have the men's national team. We have that. We are seeing what good looks like. We are showing our kids. But well, maybe a question for the two of you: Are we defining the percentages in in the category wrong? You know, it's just kind of like maybe not an aha moment, but just thought in my head. We historically think of the one percenters as this path to pro, but should we maybe expand the percentage in in the category to collegiate to to pro? And there's a lot in the middle there too. 
uh, more so obviously on the men's side. Yeah. The women's side is starting to develop, you know, because if we do start to include D1, D2, D3, and AIA, now we're talking about a lot of opportunities. Well, that's not 1%. That's more in the realm of 5, 6, 7%. Um, yeah, like what is, that's a good question. I don't know, like which percent are we talking to? So if you sat in, you know, I sat at a, one of the clubs, accidentally went to the wrong meeting, and, and that club's um, boys meeting, they were talking about the 1%, where they're talking about the U.S. men's national team. They're talking right. about wanting to have a Tim Ream, right? Um, it was a very different conversation on the girls' side. Very, very different. Um, it was not organized. It wasn't, and it was kind of like, hey, we want them to play. And, and it's like, well, there's, there should be a pathway there too. Um, but at the same time, the, the kind, so, and Bree McCarthy kind of talked about, and so did Coach Guns, yeah. um, about how there was, it, it's kind of like, you know, between college, let's say you go up through NCAA one, and then you've got these other leagues, and then you get to MLS next, and MLS next pro, MLS, there's less than that. Um, and there's half or less teams in the MLS, or in the, in the NWSL. So, the percentages could be different, men versus women, because there aren't as many opportunities still yet. In our yeah. day, there was, like, hardly anything. You right, and I just think, at the end of the day, it's still expensive. It was expensive for us to travel, but we went to one tournament a year. We went to WAGS. You know, that was, like, a big deal. <laughs> yeah. that you yeah. And everybody got so excited about it. Now kids go to, you know, you can get on an airplane and fly every weekend and be somewhere. Like, how much family time is that taking away? Not even a financial cost, like, family time. Like, you're taking away from your other children or your work environment so um it would be nice if sometimes at, at some point these clubs would maybe subsidize so because we're not, maybe we're missing out on some kids that can't afford to travel you know? oh i think we for sure are um I, I i know that there are and and i know some clubs offer they'll ask as you're completing like your registration like would you like to be a referee and would you like to do some things and volunteers so you can take parts off your club fees i don't know what that actually does but uh it, you know i would think it would be a Sometimes, depending on the team, if you go everywhere, it's a drop in the bucket with what we pay. Well, let, let me ask a, just a, let's go, historical question for you personally. Uh, you, you twin brother, you said that he went to Bradley. You obviously went to University of Wisconsin, and you've referenced a couple of times, uh, you know, the financial situation that you guys were in. How cool was it for your parents, for your household, when the two of you approached that senior year? And the scholarship offers start coming in. What did that What did that really mean to your parents and those that had struggled to keep you active and keep you on these teams? How special of a moment was it for the two of you when uh, your family knew that these siblings are about to go play Division One soccer at major universities? Oh my God! I mean, I'm, everybody was just elated. I mean, you just because it may not have even been possible to to afford to go otherwise. I mean, maybe grants, maybe scholars, maybe loans, but I mean, it was almost like, yes, I got it. I did it. Who, who, but, who'd you guys tell first when you knew? Who Was it mom, dad? Was it my the dog? My dad probably who, at the time just because <laughs> I had, like Wisconsin called me like every Tuesday at three o'clock. And so I knew like we were getting closer to that situation. So wow, it was exciting. But yeah, I but I look at it differently from you talk about historically like I look at it differently when I coached in college like everybody was like well we're flying everywhere and we're, tra we're traveling we're doing this can you at least give my kid a book scholarship so that I can say that my kid got a scholarship and it was like no we only we're only allowed so many scholarships so we can't we can't do that and yeah. you know at this level this is not the perfect fit this is not a good fit for your daughter to be even getting a book scholarship so 
having those conversations on both ends, but being sensitive to the, you know, to the family members because they have made a, a big investment. Yeah, and I, it's interesting too when you when you make an investment in that, and especially since it's so much more investment than our our it was a stretch for my parents as well. Um, CYC would have been much cheaper for me to just play. And so I knew, because my dad told me, like, how expensive this was. You're going to practice because I pay a lot of money for you to go to practice, right. right? And so I remember that. And then you look now, and I've it's almost any team, whether I've coached it or been on it, when you pay money, when you pay a lot of money, there is, whether you like it or not, there is a feeling that you are owed, right? So I spend you know, $3,000, let's say. I spent $3,000 and my kid made the academy team or the ECNL team. And I now expect them to play. Now, or, or, I would, or even Premier or Classic. Yeah, yeah, you or know, anything. you go down. Like, what? Now, there, I, there I is am an, saying you, an expectation. Yeah, you should. You should. I mean, a kid, I don't believe that the kids should be, especially at whatever ages, don't have them on the team if they're not going to play. Like, don't have a, as a, a co assistant coach, you say, don't have a blood donor on there on a team that's not going <laughs> to play, right? So you don't, you don't want that. But at the same time, I think still many times clubs are missing not just, not just clear communication, but honest communication like brutally honest to be like hey okay so everybody's at zero and nothing is guaranteed and you could play as many as much as half or even less or whatever that looks like and let then parents and 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 kids make an informed decision uh whereas many times i think it's kind of you know it's soft shoot a little bit it's like well you know we don't promise anybody playing time which we know but you don't know but i've seen parents that are the like the best human beings but when they're spending a ton of money and Kid, son or daughter is con- like just sitting on the bench and they don't know they're they turn into a different you know kind of human being sometimes yeah with that said though i mean it's not all about money and it's you don't have to play in ecnl or ga Fair. or mls next to get a good scholarship or to go to a good school i mean there are so many other pathways you can do odp you can go to an id camp you can go to their camps you know, there's just so many other avenues that you can to get to that endpoint. And I do think we can do a better job as parents being more informed of the pathway. But as like as coaches and as clubs, like there are other ways to get to the endpoint. It doesn't have to, you don't have to play GA. Like no, sure you're gonna get more exposure if you wanna play maybe in the top colleges, but there's nothing that you can't go to an ID camp at theirs or call them or send them a video or ask them, here's my schedule. So I think sometimes we pigeonhole ourselves into like a one track. And that's why I'm trying to be like more open-minded. Like what kind of conversations are you having before and after the game with your kid? Like you didn't run hard enough. You didn't work hard enough. Or is it like, hey, that Spain issue, like, do you understand kind of like why there's even a debate? Like, do you, like, if you have a coach that treats you like that or an authority figure, whether it's, you know, a partner or someone at work, anybody like, are you able to handle that situation so like my daughter's dyslexic and gifted so it's twice exceptional so when you mentioned um advocating for yourself like we spend a lot of time inside and outside of school like advocating like how are you going to ask is this a better way to ask the question yeah so we are you share what, what is she doing tomorrow there was on thursday it was tomorrow's thursday right she's going to do something and she's done something cool like that before would you would you mind sharing right i think I, I'm really a big proponent of, like, you have to show what good looks like. Like, so, like, back in the day, we are talking about history so much today, like, 
if you didn't win state cup, you didn't know how to properly train to get to state cup, right? And if you didn't win state cup, then you didn't properly know how to get to regionals. Like you assumed you did, like I need to run extra, I need to train longer. <laughs> But you really didn't know what it took. And so I think if you want to be a champion, if you have that opportunity to show what a champion does. So we are we have the opportunity to go to the men's press conference tomorrow through GoGo Applesauce. And we were fortunate to to do it also for the women's national and, team. And she got and her she question, got, right? Her, her question was, yeah, she was able to answer the question. So she's just, she's like just taking it to another level. Like she's seeing what practicers are looking like for the national team so mm-hmm. do you really want to do that like do you want to dedicate your entire life and give up everything like you know the mls and the academy kids they're going online you know they're missing out proms for ga and east now like they're missing out on parties you know there's a huge dropout after sophomore year in high school because they're realizing wow like it was fun to travel with my parents and my friends but wow there's another world out there yeah. that i haven't been able to tap into so I, do i really want to do this so do we have a place that provides for them to keep growing in the field, but also grow as a person? I just, I don't know. I know that the focus is on soccer and it should be on soccer, but I just think that we can make better human beings. Like, And even if they are one percenter, I'd like them to be good human beings too. Yeah. I mean, you want them because right. Ultimately they're the ones that are going to be mentoring your children. Like they're the ones that are going to be giving back to like the coaches and to be the referees. And so, yeah, for sure. And and to that point in talking about kind of like the future, because you've got, you know, a 10-year-old and I've got a few kids that play too, and trying to take them through the journey of understanding what it takes. I think it also, when we talk about the drop-off, because you mentioned the drop-off with um, like sophomore year in high school, that's a pretty famous one. It also happens with, with seniors that decide, hey, I, I, I have a choice now. And it's it, some of the drop-off with when people don't play isn't because they aren't good enough. They'll go and play intramural, and I've heard of intramural teams being amazing. But they'll just decide, like, I don't want to live the life, have a job as an athlete at school while I'm going to school because they also realize there's life there too or sometimes they're burned out and sometimes – and now they have the ability to say – you, you can't sign me up for this, mom and dad, right? Like, you, this isn't right. you signing well, me up. Like St. Louis, you know, high school soccer is – a really cool experience and people want to be a part of it and they're proud of it and what high school did you go to what you know blah blah blah. but you know in other states it's not a big deal so for the leagues to mandate that you can or cannot play you know high school is is difficult right because some people look back at their career whether they i mean you can play college soccer but are you really playing but Mm. you know you may look back and say god my high school won a state championship and i remember that and i remember the all-star game and you know, you remember those bus rides where you're singing and dancing and those kind of memories, you know, way above what the experience of sitting on a bench maybe for well, college. And back when we played, we, we you and I, we kind of got to have it all. You you could. You could play club. You could also play high school from the week because we actually had seasons. <laughs> and right. you could and do you those things. downtime at Christmas. If you wanted to yeah. play, you played indoor at Beta. Yeah, that's but it. But other than that, you had time off yeah our kids do not have time now off. they have indoor softball you know like like even that was an untouchable sport you know when it came to now you can do indoor softball tournaments at like a rodeo place right. I've, I've had a player do that <clears throat> and so there's never any of that so i think sometimes we take though that thinking to now but everything's changed like there what is a season it's all year long um but but high school's kind of still the same and and now 
before you could do both, but now you can't because the rules say you can't. But but we want you to because you're really good. It's well, hard. I, yeah, I think too. I mean, obviously, for those of you that are you know listeners of the show, uh, this one as well as Soccer Dad Pod, this is a topic that we talk about all the time. And you know, I, I have a constantly evolving opinion of the whole situation. You know, mainly because I'm on the front lines with my son in the academy. Uh, and obviously, we talk to so many people now on these shows that have been on both sides of the fence. Uh, you know, to the highest level of play, pre-academy and post-academy. You know, and I think one of the things that's starting to happen is that the general popularity of the game is just exploding. And our kids are so much more aware, and, and frankly, even parents that have never played the game, they know who Messi is. They know, you know, they know who Zidane is. You know, all this stuff. And, and you can look it up so easily. Uh, yes. You don't know the player, F- you're like, FIFA, oh, look it up. EA, all, I mean, you know, my nine-year-old is making uh, transactional trades on no, you know, <laughs> online, and he knows everything about these people, the players, et cetera. And here's my point. When, when, the, when the fandom of the game is, is picking up this much speed, and you look to the top, you look at the clubs, the you know the greatest clubs in the world, the the Chelsea's, the Liverpool's, the Real Madrid's, etc. And then you look at a World Cup, just like what occurred on the women's side in particular, mm-hmm. and you look at Spain and England and the way they played, Spain in particular, and they win it all. And you start to dissect, or you look at what are they doing different than us? Well, one of the common denominators is there is no high school over there. It is all club. It is all community, and it's all. Yeah, and you very know, Brie. It was pretty much lost on Brie because right. she was in Canada, and she's like, yeah. "Uh, why would you do that?" Right. It's well, not even her in thing. the United States, high school is not a big deal in a lot of states. Yeah. I mean, I remember 20 years ago going to a camp down in Houston, Texas, and they were like, "That's when they started mandating the club started mandating no high school soccer," right. and they're like, "What? Are you kidding me?" Like, the, I had like really winning high school state championships right. and playing with. You know, Chris Fazix, Jenny Burton, Tisa Bauer, like we, Amy Spinks, we played with unbelievable players. And like, I look back and that's like some, some of the best times of my life as a player. Well, and, and I had similar experiences. And, and, and the thing is for me, like I've kind of resided to the reality or the fact that if academies had existed back then, um, not to toot my horn, and I'm sure you, you absolutely would have been in the same group, I wouldn't have been playing high school. I would have been on an academy team. Exactly. You would have been on a GA team. So I wanted to be on an ODP team. My dad was just like, we can't do that. Yeah. So, <laughs> so it's like we're a little bit not jaded, but our impression of the game and our experiences and what we think kids should or shouldn't be getting out of this process are definitely influenced by own, our own experiences. And a lot of it now, you know, when you really talk to the teenagers now that are kind of on the bubble or in the academy system and you ask, are you afraid of missing homecoming or whatever they look at you like it, it, like deer in headlights like I, why you know they because they don't know right? I, it, I mean, exactly don't we know are only as good as what we do right and what we don't know we don't know right what yeah. the information we have today is how we make our decisions so yeah and and that whole scene too has changed i remember we we forced our oldest uh it was after covid right so it was like you're gonna go to that homecoming or friendship dance with webster he goes to kirkwood and we just, we, COVID just sucked so bad, right? And he was kind of like, wasn't coming out of his shell. And we're like, yeah, I was like, he was even like, you know, go have fun. And you don't have to, like, just I'll pick you up. You know, like, I just want him to go be a real boy. And he, like, stayed for 10 minutes and, and kind of, like, came home. And we were, I was like, what, what happened? Like, what happened? 
who whose ass am I kicking? Like who? And he's like, Mom, it was it was so lame. Like like their generation is also different. The They're way different. they, they look at that kind of thing. So is different. so let me frame it as just a direct question. You know, if we look at both the men's and the women's side. The, you start at the national team level. The national team level, they are looking through academies. That's where they're at. Um, if you go to the professional level, same thing on both sides of the equation, it, you know, NW, uh, uh, NWSL and obviously any men's pro leagues. Colleges are now shifting into the academy environment, and not exclusively, but the percentage is definitely increasing. What would you do or how do you see uh, the, the environment shifting or maybe accommodating what we've all been grown accustomed to and balancing in the life experiences and the playing experiences of high school with the clear-cut expectations at the higher and highest levels looking for the product elsewhere? Well, I think there's a lot of questions in that question. I mean, sure. I think we think that the end-all, be-all is GA or ECNL. It's not the end-all, be-all. So, like, if you take that mindset away and, like, level set, like, what ultimately, like, whether it was your experience, your experience, like, how you were raised, whatever, ultimately you want your kid to have fun and have great memories, ultimately, right? And so if they're an elite player and they're not playing around elite-minded players, it's not going to be a fun, memorable experience with them. So ultimately, you have to be an advocate for your children and put them in an environment that's healthy for them. So, I mean, there's no reason to a kid that's not very athletic to aspire to be a GA player and put them in that GA and have them miss out on anything when they're just sitting in the bench. Mm -hmm. So I think we're constantly pivoting and constantly level-setting what is going to be the pathway for our children? Like, what is the best learning environment for them? Like, based on their abilities. And like I said at the very beginning, we're very blessed in St. Louis. We have a great pathway in St. Louis. We have a great 77, 99 curriculum up until 11-11. Like, they learn skills. They learn certain positions. You know, they're passing. They're moving out of the back. But, you know, just like in Kansas, Kansas, it's their 77 is different. They play offsides. We don't play offsides. So mm -hmm. I feel like if there's a standardization across America to a certain level, like through 99, then that level sets everybody. And then you can, then the elite will go on, and then the next level will go on, and the next level will go on. I think that's what kind of Skyetti talked about a little bit as well, is, is, is all those different pathways and, and that it, the experience can be very individual. You know, somebody's experience might be, high school and, and, you know, being here in St. Louis and, you know, who are the, who are the ones that lead St. Dominic and, you know, that might be the be all end all and that's okay for you. And, and it might, it, it might not be your final, but it could be your final step in that, but it's very individualistic to, I have four kids that are completely different. I can see two of them right now, again, one's 12, one's 15, who knows what they're going to want in a year or two, but that are like, mm, I want to be really competitive. I've got a seven-year-old who doesn't know and 17-year-old who decided to stop playing. And so their, their experiences cannot be the same and they're different human beings. Um, I would not want any of them playing at a, so I could say, my kid's playing on the top team. If, if all they're doing is sitting the bench, yeah, they're getting the training. Um, but you also have to play the game. And I also don't need a kid who's running roughshod all everybody being the superstar, scoring 10 goals on, on his or her own because they're also not getting the highest competition. So I think you're right. It, it has to be – you have to know the options and be somewhat um, selective and say, you know, what is it – what's a good fit for – you know your kid, this kid, at this time. Right. Is it – and how – 
it seems like it's nearly impossible to fit it all in, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's just not enough hours in the day. There's there's people are demanding too much, and it's just not soccer. Obviously, the focus on the conversation is soccer, but my daughter also played tennis, and, you know, they play baseball, and, you know, they do have a limit on how many games that you can play a year and how many limits the pitchers and how many games that they can pitch. So do we need to go to that place? Like, I would love for it to be more unstructured, but, like, is your child fulfilled, maybe not with playing high school soccer, but playing basketball, running track, like, playing tennis? Like, can they still have that same fulfillment that they can fit it in without, you know, doing four hours of soccer every night, you know, and risking injury, especially if they want to play in all these overuse injuries. We have so many overuse injuries already. I mean, I would say my daughter's playing minimum of 10 hours of structured soccer a week and she's 10. I mean, that's a lot with, you know, games and trainings and extra technical trainings and stuff like that. I would love for there to be some, like, some unstructured play whether it's like a a this is something you and i talked about yeah like a pickup like once a quarter like having a safe space for every age like have the older kids have a a mentoring leadership opportunity to mentor the little ones even having parent representatives say you know this is when we started the process like if you start traveling to iowa like we did last weekend like can you go to a small school like augustana like to see what the campus looks like i know it seems so far outreach like to do that but like, can you make that into a better experience? Like, can you, I don't know. I think, I think that there's the leadership, the three V three, like let's play, you know, once a quarter, let's like, just go show up to the fields. Anybody that wants to play. I know Chen does that at Lou Fuse, mm-hmm. they go in July. Anybody that wants to come, let's just play. Like, I feel like once a week, let's just. And keep the adults out of it. You know, keep the, the structure. Jamie, well, you had, it was either, I was either, I was listening to Mike Sorber or Brad Davis, and I can't remember who said that, but one of them was very much also, it's interesting because they, they're both been part of very structured compete. systems. Yeah. But they were, they were talking about, like, somebody said street soccer almost, like learning. Yeah, that was the, Sorber. Sorber, okay. Yeah, and it's a common denominator. Uh, Lori Klopney. When she came on, she made it clear that, you know, in asking these exact same questions, she's like, you know, let kids go in the backyard and just compete. Figure out a way to win while you're having fun because there's only so much, quote, training or, quote, development that you can do until you fill a brain and a body with so much stuff that doesn't have anything to do with learning how to win, you know, or how to have fun. And, you know, a lot of the old guard that, you know, we, we are all around and we talk to and, and our own experiences, we can, we can pull out memorable, measurable instances in which it had nothing to do with skill. It had everything to do with the environment and that moment and that game, if it was in the street or gutters or sewers. <laughs> well, I mean, if you talk to the professional players, or I could ask my, I have my daughter ask the men's national team tomorrow. There you go. Um, like what is what really made them different like what what do they think they did or their experience or as you mentioned in the very beginning like who was the most influential you know outside of your family what coaches and stuff like that but really i mean sure they put me in the right direction and guided me but it was the sore soccer it was the 1v1 with my brother in the backyard and and i wonder like even you know as a parent of obviously a 10 year old like are we too scared to let our kids go outside and play? Like, do we have too much of a helicopter? Are we too structured in our life? Like, oh, I'm working here and you have to go to aftercare and you have to do this. And today you have tutoring and then you have to do this. And, and by the foot, you know it, like they left the house at 7 a.m. and they're not getting home till seven and yeah. they're 10 years old, you know, right. shower, homework, go to bed. And it's like, is that a good quality of life either? So, well, how many times do we see parents, uh, but within our friend group, peer group, you know, our kids teams where, 
it's just so blatantly obvious that what they're really doing is they're projecting their own expectations. Sure. Not only from a playing perspective, but a pathway perspective. It could be even financially driven. Like, oh, no, I need this scholarship because that's the only way I, I as the parent, can pay for their s- soccer. So these kids are, like, attempting to play a game, and so much of that... Uh, pressure is really coming from it's coming from that you know the, the calls coming from within the house I mean that's the reality of the situation with in the majority of these cases what what would you what would you because you've been at the highest level you've seen it you've coached it you now have a little one going through the process yourself throw some tips out there to a parent like how, yeah, these how tips re- on your paper I'm really well, interested in <laughs> well like how to reflect what should you be you know, potentially focusing on if there's one or two things as opposed to, you know, the the expectations that most parents have as far as playing time, winning, scholarship. Take those out. What should parents be talking to kids about when they when they get in the car? Well, I'm, I mean, maybe I'm old school, but I think I'm really purely a good human being because you're not really going to miss. I mean, we want these competitive children, right? They're just intrinsically motivated. They want to win and we want to win and... But at the end of the day, they're really not going to remember all the wins and losses. They're going to remember points in time. So getting in the car and saying, I can't believe you didn't make that run. I can't believe you didn't do that. Like, that's not helping. Like, what do you think you could have done better? Was there a situation you were really scared in the game? Like, those kind of open-ended questions. Um, The same thing with, like, how are you going to make your kid? Like, if your kid, like, when I always ask in college, like, when we were recruiting, like, if your kid gets hurt in the first week in preseason – and can't play anymore like is your kid gonna love this environment like are they gonna love this school are they gonna love the class load do they have the major that you're potentially is the same thing with club like if you're playing for a jerk you know that is not conducive to your shy little kid like find a different environment like I feel like we're constantly like we have to live with the Joneses we have to do this private training we have to do this like I mean Obviously, private training provides an extra income for people, so I wouldn't say negative about it because it is great, especially when you have a lot of clubs that they're getting so big so quickly that they're group training, you know, instead of, mm-hmm. you know, back in the day, we had one team and, <laughs> the, you know, the 10 of us or whatever, we trained every day, we knew everything Your about each other. Your coach held a beer while he was coaching you. <laughs> Your parents <laughs> at the hotel right. parking lots were barbecuing yeah. and passing out. Um, I know, it's a totally... Builds it, character. Yeah, exactly. So I think... Um, it's hard it's hard to pull back and pause and i think as a parent we are so we go 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 ourselves and we have to do this and we have to fit this in and i think sometimes just pausing in our own little world and just saying is truly is this a good fit for my kid is this the best do they need to play in this high level club are they okay with a lower level club are they okay with a parent coach do they need a qualified coach with an a or b license like I think sometimes we have to reflect as parents and but the hard part is like sometimes you just don't know even know what to ask yeah. right you don't know what the question even like you think about your like our family is going through some medical issues with our family you know our parents right now like sometimes you don't even know what to ask right. the physician like about the care and it's the same thing sometimes I feel like that's why mentoring and almost like a parent advocate yeah and I think that's, that's why, why like well, teaching kids you, empathy you yeah. know through that process of just engaging um Jason Glover, I thought, said it best when he was describing Caden at an early age. One of the best life lessons for the child as a player 
was from playing up all the time. He was often on teams that would lose. So he, at a young age, actually learned how to lose and was okay with it. Whereas in most cases now in our clubs, you know, we, we, we pinch the pressure of the kids to the top and then the 1A, 1B, 1C. And, mm -hmm. you know, and once you slot them over into their leagues and divisions, they don't lose. Well, frankly, you'll have uh, clubs that, and, and big and medium-sized clubs, usually small clubs maybe only have one team, but they won't even play their, you know, maybe they've got two pretty good similar level teams. Right. They won't play them against each other because <clears throat> they don't want to have one lose to each other. And that's part of it. You have to learn how to lose. It sucks to lose to your friends, but you right. have to learn that. Um, and I was interested, though, before we, we run out of time, is uh, you mentioned being a dietitian. I think that's super important. And you've got kind of, I love this little list of, you know, you've said several times, building human beings, right? But if they're a one percenter, I'd like them to be a good human being. And if they decide after whatever year, I, you know, my 17-year-old's not playing anymore. I hope he's gotten something from the sport to make him a good human being. And I see nutrition on that list. Yeah, are they a one percenter without Brussels sprouts? Yeah. <laughs> Please don't say, I don't like that Put one. balsamic on the top of it. <laughs> no, they're still not good. I have not tasted one good Brussels sprout. I don't care where it comes from. But I'll eat other greens. I don't like them. They're not. I just think, you know, again, pausing and level setting. Like, where do you really want your child to be? Like, do you really want them to go Division One? Do you really want them to go to a community college because they were able to get all their A1, A1, or A-plus program and have them go to a community college? Like, I think really, I mean, an advocate for just, like, pausing, like, breathing. And But at the end of the day, like, yes, I, I have talked about it a couple of times, like, developing good humans that are transferable skills, not only to soccer, but whether you're a professional player, I mean, you have to be able to talk to a, a manager, you have to be able to talk to an agent, you have to be able to talk to a coach, and you have to be able to look them in the eye. So simple things like I make my daughter order food at a restaurant, like people are like, no, I, I'm like, no, you can order food and you can make eye contact. Yeah. So, you know, the advocacy of yourself and having the self-worth and the confidence and um, nutrition, I think, is, is a big deal. What's overlooked It's even when I was a dietitian. I was a dietitian at Mercy Hospital. And then I decided, well, probably not the best candidate for saying, oh, you just had a heart attack, but you can't have bacon and donuts. And they're like, <laughs> whatever. And so then I, then I progressed, and I actually built a computer system that feeds all the patients at Mercy. And so it, it's a fun dynamic. And so, but nutrition plays such a big role, you know, like, People, they're, the academies now, they're, they're spending more time with that. People yeah, are I mean, Bree, we know, is super stringent with players about, like, even timing. Like, by this time in the morning, if you've got an 8 a.m. game, your food should already be in your system working itself. Right. Coach Genther, but, or yeah, Gunther said say, Sarah, same thing. Yeah, she had she a was... backpack full of uh, rice cakes ready to go <laughs> yeah. just for energy. Yeah. Well, just even asking for help, like. You know, whether it's asking for help because I want to become a better center midfielder or asking for help because, you know, I really think that goalkeeper training is better for me than, you know, working on my skill, you know, my feet. Like, and I can't even think of the word, but, you know, working in, in the field, I, I need more confidence, you know, going out and attacking or working on these corner kicks. Is it okay? Like, advocating for yourself. Like, ultimately, I'm not taking away from the soccer experience because, right, we want to make the best, most technical, tactical players that we possibly can in these clubs, right? Because that's what we want and that's their interest. But I do think there's a missing part to the game that is ultimately whether you play just because you love to play, you play in college, you play professionally, you, you represent the United States. Like, you have to be a good representative and you have to, like, 
love yourself, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's, you know, that's a whole nother topic, but mental illness, we're not here to fix mental illness, but we're here to provide a safe place for people to play in a community. And these clubs, if they can continue to build the community around them and then the brand, I mean, ultimately, whether you go to a private or public, you're proud. I mean, St. Louis is like almost like a church and state. Like, I play for St. Louis, Scott Gallagher. You play for Lou Fuse. Like, I don't like you because you did that. <laughs> you know, it's like one Hat, or the other. Hatfields and McCoys. Right. It's like one or the other. So, um, anyway, so thank you for your time. Yeah, and thanks for no, letting me come on. I'm so awesome. honored. Real quick, though, like on the nutrition part, because I'm super interested. Like, do you put um, your, your daughter on, like, hey, it's game day? We're we're not eating a donut, like 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 like, like a like a chocolate blue like chocolate blueberry muffin from you know we're at a Panera right here is not is not maybe the only thing you should do is she kind of follow a regimen? Well, I tease myself even that like her lunches are better than my lunches. I mean, <laughs> this morning I'm like cutting up cucumbers and tomatoes and. Oh man! You know, giving her a nice like turkey and cheese and higher protein, you know, rec- you know, lunch, and here, you know, <laughs> I'm eating Panera. So no, um, yeah, she does eat. We try to eat as much protein as we can. But, yeah, you know, she's a kid, and so she still does love it. You know, she would prefer a donut, but yeah, not even just a bag of barbecue chips where, before a game. Or <laughs> yeah, she's tw- you know almost to the tween age, so it's very critical that nutrition is. Is really, yeah. you know, set in stone. Because she needs a lot of energy to give you a ton of shit. <laughs> you know, you Sugar is that keep one it coming. You, are telling, you better not be trading your lunch at school for some Cheetos. <laughs> yeah, she does love Cheetos. She just told me that's her favorite chip right now. Um, yeah, I mean, she's still a kid, right? I mean, you still have to kind of fit in yeah. a little bit, right? But um, just being more aware. It's just like in anything in life. You just need to be more aware of what's going around your surrounding, your environment. Your support, like who's supportive? Is it your coach? Is it, you know, the person running your club? Is it your mom's best friend or your dad's? But you know, just being smart, just being smart. So yeah, Love we it. could talk nutrition and another. Topic. Yeah, for sure. No, it's good to hear though because it's a kind of like a holistic of, and I just love that. Is like you know talking about skills transferable to live, which, I mean, I know, I can think, I didn't know it at the time, but I look back to soccer, look back to softball or whatever I played, being like, oh, those were building blocks, you know, when you have to talk to your coach or you have to receive constructive criticism or that you didn't want to hear and well, figure out how like, to take it. what is a captain? Like, you know, a coach will say, you're the captain for the weekend or you're the captain for this game. Well, what does a captain really mean? Like, I mean, it's a leader. What are the characteristics, you know? Right there. I saw a coach actually do that at yep. a small club. And she was, we did our mindset training session and they were not leaving. And I thought, oh, this is interesting. I was cleaning up and uh, her name is Erin. She was at Culping. And she was asked, she said, it's time to pick captains. And I thought, oh, captain picking with kids. It's usually a popularity contest, sure. right? And she had them each take a sticky and they agreed on, they put, she put on a board, like, what do we believe are good elements you don't have to have them all but like what are good elements of a leader right and like kids start you know first it was like oh, it's communication or you know you start and then they start talking about some other stuff so we they kind of agreed to what it was and then they each got to put like on a piece of paper three people and she did tell them she's like at the end of the day one of the picks are mine and then i'll go with the other and i thought that's wow what a great i'd never seen it done like that i'd never learned yeah. it there's so much more than the coin toss yeah yeah, heads. exactly. To being a no, captain. Oh my God, I'm a great captain. It's heads. I won. <laughs> Guessed it. But even like your mission and vision, like if you think about your business world and like your leadership, like are you, the, you know, your manager, are you a CEO of your company? Are you a CFO? Like, could that have played a role? I don't know. Maybe one weekend of a being a captain is probably not going to make or break. But are you, are we talking about like 
what that entails. Like, are we talking about what is our mission or what is our vision? Like, I do know, like, Ren Herzog, he spends, and, and Chris Gomez, they spend every week, they talk about the mission and vision, and we're going to talk this week is about hard work, and here's what it does, and this is what it means. So, like, but then in your, you know, in your jobs, that's, there's mission and vision. So I think we're, we're only helping our kids if we're giving them the buzzwords that's going to make them successful in life. I agree. I love it. Well played. Um, that's why say? she was a one percenter. She was a one percenter. <laughs> is is yes. a one percenter. No, yeah, I was. A, I that caught was that. Yeah, like, for sure. I didn't for say sure. That. That, we'll edit that out. <laughs> awesome. Go but ahead. Jackie, thank you so much, time. So just from somebody who grew up grew up literally on the same pitches, playing against you, eventually with you, which I love so much better. And then also, you get to know players of sometimes as your moms or dads or whatever together on the sidelines and being like, remember that time or looking at your kid and being like, did you seriously lose another water bottle? Are you kidding me? Um, or having these experiences together too is something that I think we all get from the game being former athletes in the game. So I just appreciate you. Well, thank you. I appreciate it too. And it is fun now to, you know, see people that you played with, you know, at pitchers or at practices and to be able to talk about your experience versus what the kids are saying. Like, are, that's a whole nother topic. Like, oh are God. they better players than we are? Like, we were better players than they are. You know, like, do they know the game better than we did? No, I, we don't. I, I, will, I, I will give them the technical side, but we were definitely tougher. Oh, for sure. A big the mindset. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. There was the, the grit. Grit was born of That's probably because of the that unstructured age. play at home, right? Hey, there you go. All unstructured. Playing your brother 1v1. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Losing soccer. Fine. Let's go play basketball. Let's <laughs> exactly. Let's just keep going through the sports till you win. <laughs> well, thank you for joining us today. Thank it was you guys awesome. For thank you. Uh, Coach Jin, um, until next time. Until next remind time. Remind people where to follow us and uh, w what their homework is regarding the show and your uh, website. Oh, okay. So, yeah, the, the Soccer Dad Pod. So, I know it's Soccer Mom Sunday, but it's found where Soccer Dad Pod is, is housed. So, you can find it. The logo's a little different. Looks a little different. Um, and you can find it there. And usually... It's on any place, right, JB? You can stream, yeah. but Podbean is a place you could go. Yeah, you go to Podbean, Apple, Spotify, all of it. Um, check these episodes out. Send them to a friend uh, because plenty of our friends need some therapy. This is cheap. It's a lot cheaper than an actual office visit <laughs> and a copay. Um, thanks for joining us. We're going to roll out with a little uh, ACDC long way to the top, right? That's right. That's, That's right. <laughs> Until next time, we'll see you guys. <laughs>